Let's not beat about the bush, it's my pick for my favourite Christmas film, and it's Home Alone. Written by John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus, and starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, and Daniel Stern. The story follows an eight-year-old troublemaker who must protect his house from a pair of burglars when he is accidentally left home alone by his family during the Christmas vacation. For me, it wouldn't be Christmas without watching Home Alone. As a nine-year-old boy in 1990 when the film came out, I longed to be Kevin, making booby traps and just having the run of the house. It is often up there in the top lists of Christmas films, but where does it rank for you? I've already expressed my enthusiasm for the film, but what do the other two think? Anyway, here's the episode. So, Home Alone, it was my pick for Christmas. For me, it it is 100% what Christmas means to me. If I don't get a chance to watch Home Alone over the Christmas period and probably before Christmas Day has ended, I, I, I get quite disappointed. Oh, I, I love the film. It, it is a Christmas tradition for me to watch it. Um, I would happily watch it multiple times over Christmas. It's a feel-good film. I can't watch it without having a smile on my face. And as soon as I hear that... Um, the, the theme tune by John Williams. Um, oh, there's, I, I don't know. It, it just fills me with joy. Um, the film, the, the song is, is it somewhere in my memory or something like that is called. It's bloody brilliant. As soon as I hear that, boom, 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 boom. Ah, oh, I love it. Christ alive. That's a giddy opening. Ah, oh, hey, I, it's, it's one of my favorite films ever. Admittedly, I would probably not watch it any other time of the year other than Christmas. Yeah. But, yeah, it, so, it, it's Christmas all wrapped up into 100 minutes for me. Film 4 had this on in the summer. Ridiculous. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, honestly, it was ter- terrible. This and the second one, they had them, they had them like July, August time. Oh, well, that's, was... that's another debate, actually. If it's a proper Christmas film... Does it mean you can't watch it any other time of the year? Yes. <laughs> yes. We would all say yes. We all want to watch Die Hard whenever we can. Well, yeah. unfortunately, Ev, you, you missed the recording for Gremlins. And me and Prague had this conversation that Gremlins was released in the summer because um, the studio didn't have a, a, a big film to go up against. I can't remember the films. One of them was Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, and I can't remember the other big film. But, oh, oh, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom would have been, yeah. yeah, 84, yeah. 84, was it? 84, yeah. yeah. So for a, that particular year, for films, 84 is bloody amazing. Mm. But anyway, that's Gremlins. Let's talk about Home Alone. <laughs> Best Christmas film in the world. So I take it you, you prefer this one rather than the second one? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This sets the scene. Don't get me wrong, right? There are certain aspects of the film... Um, <laughs> I'll give you a word Ludicrous <laughs> Well, um, admittedly, yeah Don't get me wrong, right? This is not an everyday sort of situation That happens here um, There's so many, like, plot holes But from a feel-good point of view I, I just, I can't Praise this film enough And again, it's all personal And it's all what it means to me But as soon as that theme tune comes on As soon as that ah, oh, brilliant! I didn't. Th- I didn't think we'd get you singing twice. <laughs> yeah, 
It's brilliant. Oh, look at this face. Look at his face. I, um, I, rem- <laughs> I remember watching it in the cinema when it came out. Oh, see, I don't my, think I went. Yeah. yeah my, my parents took me, my brother, and my sister to watch it. I, I, I can remember watching it as a kid. And I, mm. it, it did make an impression on me. It's going to, isn't it? I mean, when it came out, it was 1990. I was nine years old. You know, I was a similar age to what Macaulay Culkin is in the film. I and think, you can, uh, I think there's elements of of that then you can relate to as a kid. You're like, oh my God, look at this. This kid is home alone. He gets to play with his toys all day. He makes booby traps. He he's then goes, yeah, he goes into his big brother's um, bedroom. And I tell you what, right? The things that are in Buzz's trunk, I'd play with them now as a 39-year-old, let alone as a nine-year-old in 1990. I, well, I love it. Or the Playboy magazines. Yeah, Playboy, a gun, crackers. <laughs> Come on. That we should mention that it is actually the 30th anniversary of Home Alone this year. So, Well, that, that really made me feel old. I think I, um, yeah. I texted a group of you about that a, a couple of weeks ago, and um, <laughs> I felt really, really old there. I will say that despite it making quite an impression on me when I was younger, I haven't watched this film all the way through for years. It's it's not one of my go-to Christmas films. Not because I don't like it or I, I don't enjoy it. It it just it's not one of the ones I pick. And uh, yeah, I, I I get that as well. But yeah, it's right up there for me. So Ev, what about you? Did you watch much of it growing up? Yeah, I'd like Prague. I went to the cinema to watch it. Like you say, just it's just like the you know the little kid doing doing stuff that that you'd want to like. You know how he's how he's got the he's got the air rifle or, or whatever, and he's shooting bad guys and stuff like that. And this, you know, pure escapism. I think for everybody, you know, growing up, if you watch it at the right time, it's one of those films that's just like part of you. You just wish that you could experience some of what he's going through. The wet bandits you wouldn't want to encounter, even though they are pretty much the worst burglars ever. <laughs> I'll, I'll come on to them. In, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to encounter something like that. But you'd want to. You know, the chance to do whatever you free reign, as it were, when you're living at home. Like the the one scene where he's like he's eating the whole tub of ice cream, and you know, there's other empty wrapper wrappers and and so on all over the kitchen, and he's just stuffed himself, and he's just lying down on the set, he watching a film that he shouldn't be watching. I mean. Who didn't want to do that when they were growing up? Especially in that house. Their house is amazing. Oh, it, it's, it's like a hotel. On, on, how many how many bedrooms must that have? And but it, but saying that though, they've got like five kids, so they probably they need seven that. kids. No, they they got five. Yeah. Um, his uncle Frank or whatever his name is. He they've got five kids, and then there's one kid which is his brother's Rob's kid, which they are taking over to France. Right. Rob okay. has got two other kids as well. I, I birth control in that family is non-existent. <laughs> There's an internet rumor that Mr. McAllister was actually part of the Chicago mob. <laughs> which is why he was able to afford that house. 
Well, to be, well, to be fair, he can, aff- he, he can afford pretty a lot of things. He goes first class over to Paris. Well, the- there's a line in the film that suggests that the brother pays for all of that. No, he does. That's the thing. That um, the um, oh, what was his first name? I can't remember. Rob. No, Rob's Rob's his brother. Um, oh, Peter. Peter, that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. Peter McAllister, he's the minted one who owns that house because he pays, he pays for everyone to go. Well, over oh, to Paris. I read it the other way round that Rob paid for everyone. No, 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 because because right. um, yeah, because because remember, it's all it's all done through the film, um, and when Frank takes the pizza at the start, and, and the pizza guy says, you know, one hundred twenty-two fifty, he goes, "Ask me, brother's house, he'll pay for it." Oh no no yeah I get it that is Peter's house I I just I just thought that Robert paid for everyone to go to France for for whatever reason No I think it's I I was under the impression that it was Peter who was minted Well he's minted anyway because of the house yeah. Yeah. So that house they it obviously is a real house um and it sold in 2012 for 1.5 million dollars and they reckon now it's worth probably double that um, yeah, fantastic house. Fair play. And you know the um, the, the the other brother, Frank. Oh, what a cock he is! Oh, he's he's like he's horrible, isn't he? Yeah. Look what you did, you little jerk! <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll get into that when we pick um what we change. Well, then moving on to the first aspect. Do you want me to go first of like our favorite? Oh, sorry, yeah, favorite go on. aspect. I should say. And that's for me is Macaulay Culkin, and as a again a nine year old boy who saw someone very similar age group to him on the screen doing everything that you wished you wanted to do, and we've touched on this already, is brilliant. But as a young actor, fair play to him, he you know he, he delivers it very very well, and he you know he has to carry a big chunk of that film on his own, acting on his own. Mm. Mm. Which, um, which you know, it's great. And apart from the times where he interacts with some people in the shops and old man Marley, yeah, they're, they're you know, he does, you know, he, like I said, he carries it on his own, which, which is brilliant. Funnily enough, I, I watched the trailer for this just before we came online, right? And the trailer has two elements in it that aren't in the final film. So that there's a there's a radio announcement saying you know people are being um, robbed in the local area and um, there's a calling card and you know it's the wet bandits blah blah mm. blah um, and also the other scene is don't know when he's in the shop and he's with a cashier and he's like lady I'm I'm an eight year old boy do you think I'd be here on my own mm. the, the when he's talking back to her on the trailer. She's there with a like a store manager, and the mm. store manager asks him, "What's it? What's your name?" And he says, "I can't tell you because you're a stranger." Yeah. Right. So it, anyway, it's just a little fact that um, I was a little bit shocked that I'd never seen those scenes before. Progress, your favourite aspect? Angels with filthy souls. <laughs> it's a film I want to see. <laughs> uh, for years and years, I thought it was a real film. Yeah, it wasn't until like the internet came about that you yeah. realised that it's um yeah. I was the same. Enough. I thought it was a real film, and I thought, I thought like what what happened to AC? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did, I just love how it's used in the film. I just think it as a comedy device, it's brilliant. Mm. 
And and also, if a joke's good, why not use it twice, isn't it? <laughs> so they use it for the pizza delivery guy and they use uh, it for the Marv. I love it. I, I love that aspect of the film. I think it's brilliant. And they have it in number two as well, don't they? But it's 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 the follow up. It's, isn't it like angels with filthier souls yeah, or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's a it, it's a cracker, and you are right. The fact that they used it twice in a film um, does show that it you know it, well it could have fallen very flat, but it it didn't. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's brilliant. I will give an honourable mention to John Williams again. I think any time he's you any time he's part of a film that we've done, I'm talking about him, but. You've got to you've got to mention him in it because he's just a legend. But also now, right, John Williams known for really good scores. You know, Jaws, Jurassic Park, um, Star Wars, for example. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. But for this one, for me, it's right up there. Again, it's personal. You know, it it means so much to me because it brings back really good memories of my childhood. But that. You know that all of the magic, all of the music, or the other way around, whatever it is. Um, it, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't not hear it when someone says "Home Alone." I know you can't stop singing it either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> I, I just think, is there a more heartwarming theme, right? And they use it in different tone throughout the film. But do you know at the very end, Catherine O'Hara comes through the door. Um, they're then standing off each other or on other sides of the hallway and such. And, and they use the score, but they use it a lot slower. They use it, and it, oh, it's just more, it's just so heartwarming. I said it already, it, it, I, I think it's brilliant. I think someone cried at the end from, from, where, from how they're talking. Did you cry at the end? I didn't. And we've had this conversation <laughs> before, right? Now that I've got kids... I have a slightly different take on the film in the yeah. sense of some of those scenes just means something slightly different to me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I, I was like, I wasn't just this nine-year-old kid watching the film anymore. I was the parent thinking that reunion w- w- was really nice. I, 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 don't get me wrong, right? I wasn't a parent thinking, oh, my God, they've left him behind. Oh, bad parents. It was more that reunion at the end. And, I, and yeah, it probably was a bit like, oh, filling up a little bit. Whereas the rest of the film, I was like constantly smiling. It's funny you should say that, though, because I think, I mean, it's 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 going to happen, isn't it? Your perspective of a film, certainly a film like this, it's going to change as you get older. I, I mean, even though I am not kids, but my perspective of the change just now that I'm an adult has changed completely as what it was when I was a kid. Because obviously you're identifying somewhat with Kevin, Macaulay Culkin's character, when you're a child. When you grow up, you're looking at a film in a totally different way, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. Ev? Um, for me, it's got to, it's got to be the, the wet bandits. Um, <laughs> as, in, in particular, Joe, Joe Pesci. I think, I think it's, this film shows that how, how good... Of an actor he is that if you that if you think of if you, if you think of Joe Pesci that people automatically assume of like Goodfellas and Casino and you know all, all these mob films. But then can I just ju- can I just jump in there? Do you know this is the same year that Goodfellas came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you had, had Goodfellas, <laughs> then this, then a couple of months later you won the Oscar for Goodfellas. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that that explains it. Yeah, and it's just like the you, you offset 
all the all the gangster films with this and my cousin Vinny, and you and you and you know you 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 just show how how good of a comedy actor he is, and like Daniel Stern who plays who plays Marv, I think is 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 better in this one than he is in the second one because it's they almost dumb him down a little bit in the second one rather than rather than this one. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's funny, Joe Pesci on set supposedly was dropping a lot of F-bombs and because there were children around, <laughs> yeah, you know, like tap on the knuckles a couple of times and sort of yeah. saying, um, instead of using the F-word, can you start saying fridge or something? Yeah. <laughs> Is that why he talks like Muttley the, the entire time throughout the film? <laughs> <laughs> that might be, yeah. yeah. Um, so moving on to favourite scene. Anyone want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, it's uh, Angels with uh, Filthy Souls. <laughs> when um, Kevin uses it for Marv. I, I, I could just as easily pick the scene with the pizza delivery guy because that's where it's first used in that way. But I find the, the use of it with Marv funnier simply because of Daniel Stern. Yeah, but I love that scene for the follow-up when he's in the van. And he's talking to yeah. Joe Pesci's character, and he's just like, and I know that's that name from somewhere, Snakes. I was there, <laughs> and someone got blown away. <laughs> <laughs> two people arguing, and the other guy blew the other one away. <laughs> yeah, it's a great scene. Ev, um, oh, I think it, it's you got to you got to pick the the final sort of. Well, the, the quintessential Home Alone scene where they're actually going through the house at the end, I think it's just for the mishaps to get into. Like, especially when he, when Daniel Stern finally gets into the house after slipping, slipping on the on the stairs, and then he, then he gets he gets his shoes like caught in the tar. Um, but then when when he puts his he puts his foot on the nail, and it's just like you you, you feel it at that point, but then all of a sudden you hear a scream. Oh, and it's just, how, oh. how good a screamer is Daniel Stern? Oh, I know, feel, yeah. You feel his pain, hundred <laughs> percent. I, 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 for years and years, I've watched this film, and I still can't watch properly that that nail going into his foot. No, I'm going to do this now, right? That scene, I've got so many questions about it, or that that passage of the film, I've got so many questions yeah. about it. The main one being, at what point? As the wet bandits, do you just decide not to rob that house? Ah, but that's the house that that's on the block that made them choose yeah. that block. Yeah, I get it. But once I've had a nail in my foot <laughs> and I've had a flamethrower on my head, which if that had been six inches lower, his face is gone. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, if it'd been Marv, yeah, he, he, he would have melted his Marv, face. If you're Marv and you're counting it up at the end, you're probably thinking, oh, I'm, I'm pretty glad I got a nail through my foot and not gone in the other yeah. way. But at what point do you say to yourself, mate, we got to get out of here. This isn't worth it. Like. They're determined. dead, ultimately. After, you know, he falls down the stairs um, to go, going down to the basement because of the ice. Yeah. And then the, the, the and I always think about this scene because the crowbar stays on the, a little ledge and then falls on his head. On hand, yeah. and, and, and that... I, I honestly don't believe that was scripted. I, I reckon that just happened on one of the takes. Right. Yeah, you break your back going down there. And, you, and that's just one thing. 
you know, he, he would have fractured his skull on the iron. He oh. would have bloody everything else would have. Oh. Yeah. How many how many concussions did he did they suffer? It's just not it's just not worth it. I don't care how many how much jewelry they got in the house because there's a point where where Kevin runs to the neighbor's house, yeah, and Harry Joe Pesci's character turns to Marv and says, "I've got a better idea," and they go in a different way. And I'm thinking to myself, "I've got a better idea. Why don't you just go?" <laughs> you can't fault their commitment. They're committed to the cause a hundred percent. Well, and also Macaulay Culkins left the house. So they may as well have gone, I've got a better idea. Why don't we just go back in the house now and ransack it while he's not here? Yeah. Well, he does say I'm gonna call the cops guys or something like that, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, but it's from a tree house. It's like yeah, from, from a tree, tree house. house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he calls uh, the cop from the neighbor's house. He doesn't he did he never called the when he found out, or when he overheard them saying they're coming back at nine o'clock, right? Mm. Why didn't he, on the stroke of nine, when he sees them outside, or he, he knows they're outside, why didn't he ring the cops then? Well, I, I've got this down, written down as well, and I ask the same question. And I wonder if it's anything to do with him stealing the tough brush, yeah. And whether then he feels, as a nine-year-old kid, because you don't think, you know, like, like an adult then, um, whether he thinks the cops are going to come and um, arrest him. But also, everything that he does, right, is premeditated to to inflict pain or potentially, yeah. you know, harm them. So <laughs> surely he could go to prison if, um, well, not prison, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, a, a youth detention centre or something. <laughs> well, Borstal. Where's he got that knowledge of all these traps and stuff? And how, how did and how, how, how does he know how to set all that stuff up? Yeah. I, I this actually, uh, I, I'll come back to this when uh, we talk about what we would change because it's something I would would have done differently. So my favourite scene, and I've got potentially two. I love the the um, the bit where you no know, all the cardboard cutouts and Brenda Lee is playing in the background, rocking around the Christmas tree. Oh, when they're doing that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're just like silhouettes here going past the window. And he's there dancing and he's got all the string on his arms and his legs yeah. and things are moving. Then a massive cardboard cutout and Michael Jordan comes past on a train. <laughs> <laughs> You've got another like mannequin on what seems to be a turntable. Yeah. And this is the bit I don't really understand. Where does he get like the voices of people talking and laughing? Because that's in there as well. But Anyway, I, where's I was... he get where, where does he get the mannequins from? I mean, what, <laughs> what does he do? does he just go down to bloody Devonhams and go? Oh, can I borrow these for a two, for like half an hour? God. <laughs> yeah, I'll skirt over the, um, the the voices a bit, but yeah, the mannequins as well. But it, no, I, I love it. It, it. Again, it just makes me laugh that scene that this you know little nine year old kid has set up the whole house to look like it's like having a massive party. But on a more serious note, I do like the scene where he meets old man Marley in the church. I, I think it's it's a really, really good scene. You know, up to that point, he's been freaked out by him. The guy comes over, he um, talks to him, and he, again, he's just a normal bloke. But it's a, as a dialogue go between someone who's nine, eight years old, whatever he is, and an older guy, I, I, I think it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. And also, that character wasn't in the ori- original script. Mm. It was put in there, I, I think by the director 
Um, and it's something that could have just been filler, but I think it works really well. I, I like the set. I like the setup and payoff of the character itself. Mm. I'm not a fan of the church scene, not so much for the interaction, but the actual dialogue. It didn't. Right. It didn't sit right with me that a fifty to sixty year old was unloading all his problems on a nine year old on an eight year old kid when they only just started talking to each other. I just, I. As an adult looking at it now, I just, it just didn't work for me. I just thought it was a bit much. But I think in in keeping with the tone of the film, you know, you're obviously if to enjoy the film properly, you've almost got to have a suspension of belief, as it were, mm. for some of the things to happen. So I I didn't find it out of keeping with the film itself because Kevin is trying to see himself as uh, as an adult, as it were or older than what he is. So that conversation does sort of sit within the tone of the film, but it didn't sit well with me because I know he is an eight-year-old. Yeah, I, 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 I get your viewpoint on that one, but um, I, mm. I, I, I watched it yesterday, and I, I, for me, I don't think I appreciated that scene as much as I had... Um, I don't think I appreciated that scene previously as much as I did when I watched yeah. it last night. I am very surprised that none of us chose uh, the introduction of Gus Malinsky in the airport. Oh, I was not honor- honorable mentions, yeah. Uh, he's in that film, right? For I, I don't know the amount of screen time, very, very little, but it's John Candy, and he, again, he's just someone who brings a smile to my face. Oh, big, yeah. Big in Sheboygan. Yeah, polka, 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 polka. <laughs> brilliant. He's, he's using Catherine O'Hara ranting at this. Yeah. Let's be honest, right? This poor airport attendant or flight attendant, yeah. right? She's ranting at him, trying to get a seat. He can't do anything about it. John Candy's overheard everything. He goes on, right? He's obviously going to try and help her, but for the first couple of minutes, he's just talking about his. Uh, Musical career with her, yeah. and she's like getting to the point where it's like, wait, you know what? Why are yeah. you talking to me? <laughs> oh, it's it's music. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, interestingly enough, and I think we we've spoke about this previously on another podcast. Um, he, you know, he did that cameo as a favor to John Hughes, and literally he did all the filming in one day, and it was a literally it was literally a twenty three hour day supposedly. So um yeah no I I I think is um yeah his involvement in the film is is a definitely a plus yeah. point from my point. Oh, anytime John Candy's in a film, the film gets an extra point for me. Let's move on to um changes. Go on, Prague. You you've mentioned um you you got a few different things you might want to discuss. Yeah, so two main points for me. One is the family dynamic at the beginning. Right? I'm 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 okay with them setting up the family as uh, hectic, uh, all over the place. There's a lot of people in the house. This, that, the other. You know, they're trying to build it as a way that we can be- believe that they would mistake Kevin is there, but he's not. Kevin is with them on the flight, but he's not. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with all that kind of stuff. What I don't like is is that everyone at the in the first fifteen to twenty minutes, including Kevin, is a bit of an arsehole. Like, no one is nice to anyone in the first 15 minutes. 
Mm. When I first, when I was growing up watching it, I just always thought or remembered it that it was Buzz and and his uncle that weren't nice. Yeah. But all of his brothers and sisters are basically horrible to him. They all say something derogatory. His mother and father pretty much ignore him or pass him off to someone else. And I don't think that's needed. Yeah, no, I, 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 get, I get it as well. It was one of my points. His family treated him like shit. Yeah, and looking back now, I think they were trying to work it. Uh, in terms of screenwriting, I think they were trying to work it in a way where, like, they're trying to make the audience uh, believe that Kevin is the outcast of the family, you know, and make it hammer home the point that they would forget that he's there. But if that's the case, don't make Kevin a bit of a arsehole because he's like lipping people and and doing stuff. And I, you know, I, I I just think they could have played it differently. Looking back now, that's that's all I would say about that. The other the second point I had, and it's more me just thinking um, logically, but in terms of taking steps in the in the screenplay towards the end, as I've mentioned, he's setting up all these traps, but you don't know how he knows how to do it. And I was I after watching the film, I was thinking to myself, how could they have done it? And I was thinking. Maybe just have him watching some Looney Tune cartoons or have him watching something on TV where people are setting traps and that's how so at least you get some sort of idea about you know where his head is at to set all these traps for people later on. Cause it you just you dive into the film, he's on his own, and he's like he's using the film to wind up the pizza delivery guy, but also to set off Marv, or to keep Marv and the and the wet bandits away from the house. How does he know how to do that? How does he know how to hold that, you know, party where Michael Jordan mm. is going around on the train? How does he know how to... How does he know how to tie a, a massive carton of paint to the stairs and then swing it down? How does he know how to do all that? It's creative license, I think, of the film, isn't it? No, no, I, I completely understand that. And in terms of enjoying the film, I'm I'm fine with the way it is. It's just something that I would have changed personally in the lead up to the end. That's all. That's all. I would have just added. No, I, I, I know what you mean. It, it adds context, doesn't it? That yeah. he's, he, you know, maybe he's a fan of these type of cartoons, like you said, or. Yeah, well, I, I, I did think that maybe the reason, if if at the very beginning of the film, Kevin plays a prank on someone in the family, and that's why the family are all pissed off with him, that would lead you perhaps to believe more in that later on in the film, he's a prankster. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I get that. I, I think that would potentially work. But yeah. I, I echo what you're saying though about the the family they they treat him like shit you know that you know kevin you're a disease at one point and um oh. you want the french girl les incompetents you know when uncle frank says to him uh look what you did you little jerk yeah yeah exactly it's the way he says it but also his mother or father don't say anything to the uncle i yeah. I, I haven't got kids right so i can't i can't say exactly 
what I would feel like, but I imagine that I would be like, who the fuck are you to talk to my kid like yeah. that? But, you know, just a, something like, whoa, whoa, Frank, it's a little bit out of order. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said at the beginning, he's oh, the right Frank, he's awesome. anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, no, when they say that he's, he's going to, um, he has to sleep in the attic on his own. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, he didn't have to sleep with Fuller. <laughs> who, who, funnily enough, again, I didn't know until yesterday, is um, Macaulay Culkin's brother. Actual yeah. brother. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that passed me by. Yeah, so I, those two points I highlighted, when you're a kid watching it, you do not care. It does not matter. The film is total enjoyment. It's only re-watching it now, with so many years past since I've watched it before, do I, have I picked up on it. And I'm not trying to be overly... I'm not trying to be ultra-critical of the film. They didn't affect my overall enjoyment. It's just little things that I think I would have liked to have seen. I've ne- going off on what you just said there, I've never understood how he had the time to do that massive drawing before he did everything else. He's like, Operation Ho Ho Ho, you know? Um, <laughs> it's a, it, but, but then again, it's like, it, it's, it's the most basic form of project management. He, he he just wants to be a project manager, you know. He has his plan, and he he does like you know little bits and little bits and pieces, little sprints or iterations or whatever with his little with his tasks. Then he sits down. And... Sorry, right? He spent all that time yeah. drawing that plan. He didn't he didn't give himself enough time to prepare his mac and cheese oh, yeah. so he could eat yeah. it. This highly nutritious microwaveable like meal. <laughs> oh, have you ever tried mac and cheese? Absolutely. Oh, I quite like it. If it's done right, I quite like it. See, again, comes back to food with you every time. Oh, well. You know. For me, right, I, I, there's not much I would change about the film because I love it so much. But again, as an adult, watching it last night and then having to make some notes about the film, uh, you know, for the podcast, sorry, um, it's just a couple of questions that I've got, right? So, old man Marley, the next door neighbour, he he goes into yeah. the neighbor's house, sees Kevin hanging up on, on a hook um, with two adults, you know, about to bite his fingers off. Um, knocks out the, um, whatever they are, you know, the, the wet bandits. And then just lets the little boy go home on his own without having any conversation with his parents about what had happened. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I, I maybe not even having a conversation with the police to try and get some sort of statement of. And I know the police are there because they've robbed that house, mm. the, the one they flooded. Yeah. But yeah, as an adult watching it, the ending, I was a little just scratching my head, like, so really, you've just just let a, a nine-year-old kid just go home on his own. Plus, in this couple of scenes before, he was in a church all on his own, and for the last few days, he's run away from you, and you've seen. None of his other family around him. <laughs> well, I I took it. I I get I get where you're coming from, but I I just took it that in the time between the police arrive, Kevin and the old man have had a, another heart to heart, and Kevin has explained everything about you know his parents going away without him. And that he's defended the house. And then I thought that what probably happened, I mean, I'm taking a wild guess here, but I thought what probably happened is that the old man took responsibility for finding the wet bandits and calling the cops. And that's how Kevin gets left alone by the police. Kevin does 
phone the police, doesn't he? And leaves a, a message to say, I'm so. But he, he, he does it as an old man, he does it as an, uh, in an adult voice or tries mm-hmm. to do it in an adult voice. So that I've I've connected dots, but I've gone from like one dot yeah. to twenty. I'm just dots. glad you didn't connect the dots and the and the and the you know as the the old man as Herbert from a uh, Family Guy. <laughs> oh, don't do I, that. I'll don't move on from that story. Yeah. <laughs> um. you, are, you are right though. I mean, uh, you know, and also once the film ends. Are we not seeing Kevin telling the parents what happened? Because he he does a very good clean up job of the whole house, apart from Buzz's <laughs> <Exactly>. room. <laughs> but but also right, that surely that kid would be in therapy for years after. There's a theory online. I'm I'm pretty sure I uh, I saw this online where someone said that Kevin actually goes on to become the killer in Saw because he took so much enjoyment out of. Punishing the wet bandits. <laughs> so, Ev, what would you change? Um, oh, a couple of things, really. I'd, I'd, I don't like, I don't like the wet in the wet bandits. That, I mean, picture this, picture the scene. If like, you know, it's bad enough that two people rob your house, then that's fine. But then to flood your house completely and you know rack up your water mm. bill, what a pair of knobs, isn't it? Wreck the house, unbelievable. Oh, ridic- ridiculous, yeah. Oh. And, and and if you if you're talking about wet wet bandits in South Wales, you're talking about you you haven't got no. basements, or the very foundations of your house would just get affected straight away. But it's it's something I changed. I mentioned earlier between this film and the second film is that they dumb down Marv um, quite a bit, and I think in in this film you, you think you almost think of him and him and Harry as, as equals. And that that Marv's, you know, he's got a bit of edge to him, like where he's having an arg- where he's having an argument with with Harry in the in the van, and he's like, oh, you know, all the great ones leave their mark, and you know, he's he's and he's and he's he's actually answering back. He's saying, you know, don't tell me what I can't do. I'll do what I want to do, and you know. Um, whereas in the second film, it's just basically Harry's the boss, and he's just like the you know the bumbling sort of sidekick sort of thing. Yeah, the dynamic changes mm. completely, really, doesn't it? The, there's a complete power shift in the in the between the two. Exactly. So, but apart from that, no, everything else is uh, is cool. Do you know that Robert De Niro turned down the chance to play um, Harry? Really? Yeah. Really? I, um, I, I I'm sort of glad he didn't. You know, he yeah. did turn it down because um, I love Joe Pesci. I, I know that um, Uncle Frank, the part was originally written for Kelsey Grammer. Oh, was it really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I don't know if I could see that. but um... And then, do you know the other sort of myth or whatever you call it, internet sort of myth legend behind all this about Elvis? No. Right. So, do you know in the scene where Catherine O'Hara's character is arguing with the 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 male um um flight attendant not a flight attendant but um whatever in the airport trying to get the, the yeah, it's with, with John Candy yeah exactly that scene just yeah. before John Candy comes in anyway Catherine O'Hara is standing there and then there's two people behind her and one of them is a quite a large guy who's got a beard and he looks a little bit like Elvis <laughs> but 
everyone, everyone reckons it's Elvis working as an extra. And, oh my god! But like, of you, you, I pose the question: Why would Elvis fake his death to then be an extra in a film? Just to get all the rumours going, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I have to I have to mention as well while we're, while we're going on weird facts. Um, one of one of um, one of my mates from school, he was in the year below me. He um, he actually got Devin Ratray, who plays Buzz, to um, to give him a Home Alone based quiz for charity. So really? uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It took him. It took him a good few months, but it, but he actually. Yeah, you, you got you got him to to read out, out questions in a Home Alone theme quiz. Oh, brilliant! Peace, if you're listening. Good shout. Also, do you know the scene? Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> that is actually a boy with a wig on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they um they they didn't want to like use a real girl for then her to be sort of like hounded in, yeah. in later life for being yeah. an ugly girl. <laughs> There's so many lines in in this movie that I personally could quote. There's so so many. Did you know they remake it? Eh? Well, I, I heard there was a, a number six in in the franchise, so to speak. Yeah. No, apparently, um, Disney uh, have got the rights and they're remaking it. Oh, just, just leave it as, as a one-off. One I've seen the, I've seen the people who are playing the mother and father, and they're good actors. Whether whether they're going to change any of the who who are they story? Uh, Rob Delaney is playing the father. Didn't he used to play for oh, Villa? No. <laughs> no, it's not the old Villa right back. He looks a bit like Mark Delaney, doesn't he? Rob, <laughs> Rob, Rob Delaney is a Canadian. I think he's Canadian comedian, and he's got a sitcom or had a sitcom on Channel Four. For a he few was in years. he was in Deadpool Two, wasn't he? Yeah, he also played. Uh, he played the normal guy in Deadpool 2. He wasn't a superhero. He just wanted to be part of a team. Ah, uh, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Peter? yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so out of the Home Alones, right, there's, I think, five that have been made at the moment. And I, I can show up to the camera now, but I've got a box set of Home Alone 1, 2, and 3. Three. I, I have never seen anything beyond two. I, I sort of refuse to watch yeah. them. And, yeah, I, I have no need to watch them either. I gotta be honest, but I think I've seen number two twice, and I have no intention of watching that again. Well, number two, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, I, See, I, I, I don't mind number two. It's got some good yeah. actors in number two. The um, pigeon lady, the the hotel person. What's his name? Tim Tim Curry. Oh, Tim Curry. Tim, yeah. yeah, Tim Curry's class. My my problem with number two is that it's just it's just the same film, yeah, more or less. It, it is. You know, the pigeon lady is just replacing the old man from number one. She was in Casualty in the UK, anyway. Yeah, uh, the the woman you're on about is um, Brenda Fricker. Yeah, and who yeah. was also in My yeah. Left Foot. Yeah, she won an Academy Award for My Left Foot. Yeah, yeah. Poor little gobshite. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. We always ask it, would you recommend the film, Ev? Yeah, it's a, it's it's just one of those films you don't have to think about. You just put on and uh, have a bit of a laugh. Prog. Yeah, I I wouldn't be like I wouldn't go out my way to recommend it. I, see, I I don't want to be like a contrarian and 
say I didn't enjoy the film because I did enjoy it. But I don't think the film is to be held up as this great comedy because I, I don't think I, I don't think it's aged well. Or should I say I don't think it I don't think it ages well as you get older. For me, I'm going to hundred percent disagree with you on that one, but that that's okay. That's what the podcast is here for. You know, for yeah. for me, and we often have this conversation. The films that we look back on mean something to the person that's picked it, and yeah. the film hundred percent means everything to me. I, I said at the very beginning, it wraps. When I say everything to me, everything about Christmas, right? It wraps up Christmas into a um a hundred minute film and you know if I, I said it at the very beginning again if i didn't have home alone at christmas time it doesn't feel like christmas until i've watched it you're gonna start singing again no no yeah i might sing as um <laughs> to end us out but uh sing, sing an outro <laughs> um the, the other thing i would say is we, we often look at sort of like box office and things mm-hmm. um it it was made for 18 million pound 18 million dollars sorry and it returned four hundred and seventy-seven million pound in the box office. Massive, isn't it? That's Jesus. For twenty-seven years, it held the record as the biggest grossing weekend of a, a film has ever made. I don't know what it was um, um, sort of beaten by, but for twenty-seven years, it held that. That that is unbelievable. Yeah, that's good going. I, that I know. I know it held the record for highest-grossing live-action comedy. Uh, until it was overtaken by Hangover 2. <laughs> oh, never. Oh, I feel really depressed by that. I know. <laughs> Hangover 2. Not Hangover 1, which is a decent comedy. <laughs> Hangover 2, which is awful. Oh, I, I don't want to end the podcast on that now. Let me look at my... I, I, think, I think you're going to you, you're gonna have to now. Cut it out, right? <laughs> no, no. No, no that's but... fine. That's fine. <laughs> Can I can I just say though, um I did I just want to make it clear, I did enjoy the film. I just wouldn't go out of my way to recommend it. That's all. I don't want I don't want to leave this podcast people thinking that I don't like Home Alone. Oh, you're gonna get hate mail and everything. Everyone's no. gonna read it wrong. It, you hate it's a Home good Alone. thing I'm not on social media, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I haven't actually answered the question, but of course I would recommend the film. I personally think anyone with small kids should watch this as soon as they're old enough to understand it. Yeah. I think anyone that's an adult should at least give it an opportunity and watch it as well. Watch it at Christmas time, but you know, yeah, as I've said earlier, don't don't watch don't watch it at the other time of the year. Don't watch it in July. I, no. I'll do mine again. Sorry, boys. Because what you just said was completely right. I if I would recommend it to kids, that's the perfect audience for it. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily to adults, but for children, it's it's perfect. It's magical, Prog. That's what it is. It's a beautiful, magical film that wraps up Christmas. Into a bundle of joy. Oh, I'm just imagine if like the soundtrack was playing behind him when he's just made that thing. Oh, hey, you, you know when I do it when I do the promo trailer for this, it's, it's happening. All of the magic. <laughs> oh. right.
definitely on that note it's time to go to bed it's time to wrap up thank you all for listening follow us on social media youtube all that malarkey and we catch up with you soon Ta-da. Ta-da. Ta-da.